Welcome to the Propreneur Podcast, where we help practice owners become better entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Dino Watt. And welcome once again, everybody, to the Propreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Dino Watt, and excited to have you here again, as always, trying to bring you the best practices for your practice. And we just want to give another shout out and a thank you to all of you who have shared this podcast with your friends and your colleagues and help them understand how they can find the best practices right here on the Propreneur Podcast. And today is, again, no exception. We are always trying to bring you the best information we possibly can with experts from inside and outside of the industry. I'd like to welcome to our podcast today, Lori Hibma from the Before Happy Hour podcast, who is here to share with us some amazing insights, not only on her career in marketing in the healthcare profession, but also in some really personal and serious issues that I think we should talk about. So welcome to the show today. Thank you, Dino. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, we've been able to have a little bit of a pre-podcast interview a couple of weeks ago. And what was really cool about that was I got to learn really the the plethora of things that Lori is an expert in and can share with us. And we narrowed it down to a few things, but tell us a little bit about your story, because I think stories are what connect all of us. How did you get to this place in your life and what you're doing now? Yeah. So, I mean, I st- I've always been kind of my own entrepreneur. I've had businesses. Oh, I don't, I don't even remember. I think the first business I ever had was my own little paper route, but you know, um, oh, wow. paper route. <laughs> yeah. My husband and I, um, I've always been the second income for the family and I've always had some kind of side gig going. Um, and it just kind of happened very naturally. I was working in the healthcare industry and, um, met a bunch of different people that really helped kick me off. But, you know, prior to that, I had my own photography business. This is back in the day of film. So quite a while ago. <laughs> when you, could, when you and, had to limit your picture taking, you had to be very yes, choosy. It was, it was not sp- spray and pray. I mean, yeah. it was not, it was, it was very specific. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I started multiple different businesses over the time and Ended up in healthcare just because of connections that I had and people I knew. And um, yeah, so I started a marketing agency, which then soon became two marketing agencies, which then started growing into other companies and morphing into different directions. And yeah, so recently I um, kind of stepped down as the role of CEO and I'm just CMO in the marketing agencies now, which is kind of a nice, actually, it's kind of a happy accidental Whew, I don't have to work so hard anymore. <laughs> so that's been really nice. But yeah, I, I uh, have a lot going on. We started our podcasting um, radio before happy hour radio and um, work with a lot of different company owners, a lot of different business coaches, CEOs, talking about the different aspects of what happens before happy hour can take place, right? But what do you got to do before you can do happy hour? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting concept that I wanted to touch on too, because when we talked about that before, about this idea of, you know, that's what everybody's trying to get to is that happy hour moment, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Even so back in the, I used to, years ago, years and years and years ago, I used to be in the movie industry and we would get to that last scene that you were shooting and they call it the martini shot, right? It's the last thing. Right. Boy, we right. work like all day. Just is this the martini? Especially when it's a longer day, right? Is this the martini? Yeah. So it's the same type of idea, right? Like, okay, can we go to happy hour now? Can we be done? Can right. we? Uh, how close are we to being over? And these are questions we all 
think about throughout our day. I even do it here mm-hmm. while I'm sitting by myself. I like, okay, hey, this is the last thing I should do before I should call it quits for the night. Um, right. So how did that concept come to be? And what have you seen the results of the before happy hour conversation? So the, the concept came about because um, it, like you said, it, it just seemed like people were always just waiting for happy hour. And I thought, you know, it, I'm not sure what that says about a business or a company or a person independently, you know, um, if, if all you can hardly wait for is happy hours then you're not doing something right Yeah. during the day because mm-hmm. you got to love what you do. Right. I yep, mean, we spend yep. how much of our, our lifetime working. Yep. So for me, it was, you have to have every, so it's before happy hour, but the tagline is actually living every hour. Like it's happy hour. Mm. Okay. So how, how do you turn what you do before happy hour can start into something you love? And that's kind of the, the idea behind it. And it's kind of grown and morphed in a, its own direction. We're working with a lot of, um, a lot of our guests on the before happy hour podcast are coming from a place of um, their industry ep- experts. So maybe they're in finance or they're in coaching or um, they're in remote learning, remote work. Um, some of them are physicians. Some of them are practice managers. Some of them are dentists or orthodontists. So it's, it's kind of turned into a lot of different things, but the, the whole path forward for this is, okay, so how do you constantly address the things that have to be done every day before you can have happy hour? Mm. And what does that look like? Depending on the, you know, the industry you're in, it's going to look really different, right? It looks a lot different right now for for dentists and anybody in the healthcare industry, you know, than it does anybody else. So yeah. So it's, it's, it's been an extremely fun, uh, yeah, it's just been extremely fun. That's well, enough I like of that, say. I, well, yeah, I like that concept a lot because I, I you know, you, you can hear team members and people who talk about like as they walk in with their morning coffee already thinking mm-hmm. about five o'clock, right? And yeah. I know there's probably some professionals out there that do the same thing where it's like, oh my gosh, when is this day going to end? And uh, yeah, if you're not really in the moment and acting like, no, this is all a happy hour. This is all the the fun and the joy. People feel that that energy rubs off. And so I think that's really fascinating. I'm sure your experience also as a practice administrator has given you some insights into that, not just working in the practice, but as an administrator, you're dealing with multiple personalities, not from one person, hopefully, but multiple personalities inside that (laughs) office, Um, but that you're having to manage all of that. And in some ways be that cheerleader. You know, I I hear a lot from docs or practice managers or office managers who struggle with this idea of like, what really is the responsibility? And when it comes down to it, I think a lot of your responsibility is being that cheerleader for the mm-hmm. entire practice for the doc because they can't do it all themselves. He or she has a lot going on. So you have to be that. How does that influence what you end up talking about on the show? So, you know, it really does. So the difference is, and um, I always call it, you know, if, if you had it, paint on your hand, right? So if you have paint, if you stick your hand in a bucket of paint, you walk around, you're going to get that paint everywhere. So you're the personality of the person who is 
the, the practice administrator, the office manager, the, the front desk, every single person is going to have an impact not only on the doc, but they're also going to have an impact on every patient that walks in the door, mm. right? So if you are the one that walks in and says, you know what, I'm going to make, I, I'm making the decision today to just be happy. And mm -hmm. everything I do, I'm just going to make that decision. And I think what you see is you see better communication, you see better customer service, you see uh, better skill sets emerging out of your employees and your team members. So choosing to be happy, choosing to address every situation is going to, every day is going to have a situation that's difficult. So if you choose to address those situations in a happy way, right? And I'm not saying you walk around with a giddy smile right. being right. a goofball right but sure. you decide that you're not you're just not going to let something ruffle your feathers and you just you make that decision you stick that you know you draw that line not in sand but you draw that line in, in granite and you just make the decision i'm not going to let this ruin my day it's so interesting one of the things that i do on this show and i talk about often is i try to put myself in the position of the practice owner driving home or driving to work, listening to the show and think, okay, what questions would I be asking or what would I be saying to my radio right now, right? Or my, my iPod right now um, and iPod, who has an iPod anymore? Okay, they're iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and, and so right there, I'm thinking that the thought that came up in my head was the, well, yeah, easier said than done, which to that answer uh, to that question or that comment, I should say, I always say to people when they say that to me, yeah, everything's easier said than done. There's, there's literally nothing in the world that isn't easier said than done. So the point isn't that you're not going to have a bad day or that, you know, it's not challenging to be positive, but I feel part of your rule, your responsibility as, as a business owner, as a practice leader, even as a practice manager, because of the position that you're in is to really work on that every single day, the same way you would work on your diet or your health or have your patients work on their teeth or their, their physical health. You have to work on it, make it a discipline every single day, which comes to a little bit of a topic that I want to touch on, which is right. depression and frustration inside. We know that dentists have a very high suicide rate. Uh, we know that uh, physicians do as well. I'm sure right now with all that's happening with the pandemic, it's, it's even worse. Mm -hmm. And you have a very special connection to mental health and uh, suicide inside of this, this area. Would you share a little bit about that with us? Yeah. So unfortunately, um, we have a personal connection with suicide. Our oldest son committed suicide and um, it was devastating. I always tell people that um, are struggling with those thoughts and concerns, a lot of times what's going through their head is, you know, everybody's better off without me. Yeah. And um, I think what people need to understand who are in that position is that is, that's just completely a lie. Um, but what I always tell people, I said, you know, when somebody commits suicide, it's almost like they have a a bomb strapped to their chest and anybody who's in that radius near them, when they die, that bomb explodes and impacts everybody just so negatively. Yeah. So suicide is, um, I think the thing that we have to remember is that you, you don't always know, right? Mm -hmm. You don't always know when somebody's in trouble. And if, 
I were to give somebody, anybody a piece of advice, I would say, if you think for a moment, even just a fleeting thought that somebody you know is in that place or you're concerned about them being in that place, then listen to your gut and do something about it. Do yeah. not put it off. Do not wait. Do not think, oh, I'm probably overreacting. I don't want to upset them. What if I'm wrong? What if I'm reading it wrong? You know, be bold enough to speak up and, and talk to that person. And if you still feel that way after talking to them, then you need to reach out to the authorities. It's just critical. You, you just can't, you, you can't uh, ignore those signs and those symptoms. And mental health is a huge part of that. Our son mm -hmm. was a, an Iraqi veteran. Mm -hmm. So PTSD and a number of other things. And um, unfortunately, it just wasn't caught in time, quite frankly. It wasn't, it wasn't something that was brought to our attention until it was basically too late. And, yeah. um, and that's where I love that you are speaking up and speaking out about it and that you're using this platform that you have. And not only just your years of experience in this industry and the healthcare industry, but also just getting out there and talking about it, being open about it in a very real way. And as we talked about in the pre-interview, you know, my brother also yeah. took his life. Uh, it's a, obviously a completely different scenario when it's a sibling versus a child. And I think one of the, the things that I'm really interested in is helping yeah, asking doctors to uh, help themselves, right? Reach out for help, know that they're not alone, know that the world would not be better. And we talked about this before about my belief that so many doctors just have this mentality that they can figure it out themselves, right? They've done this right. their whole lives. They can just put their nose to the grindstone and figure it out. They don't need that extra help. And it takes a lot of humility to ask for that help. But mm -hmm. I wonder if you haven't seen in your work the positive, um, or maybe even any tools, if you might have, of where if team members might happen to see signs with from their docs, what they can do, how they can reach out, just like you were talking about just a moment ago, if you have mm -hmm. any inkling whatsoever, what do you do? Yeah, I, I mean, I think a couple of things. First of all, in our current state, right, where... <laughs> it's, it's literally like week to week. Are we going to be in the office? Are we not going to be right. in the office? Yeah. You know, and that, and that makes it really hard, right? Sure. Because then you're in isolation. So yeah. isolation is probably the worst thing. Um, I think if the staff members are at all in any way, shape or form concerned, um, they, they definitely are in an awkward situation because this is their boss and you don't want to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. But at the same time, they, you have to remember, regardless of who the person is, what their position is, that they're still a person, right? Yeah, it's, it's a human being in front of you. Yep. It's a human being. Forget the job title. Forget, you know, if somebody were to ask me a question, okay, so here's a question. Would you rather get fired from a job or would you rather have your boss die? Put it that way, right? Yeah, you yeah, think about totally. It. Because you, they're human, of course. I would rather lose a job. Yep. I'd rather lose a whole lot of jobs than to have one person die that I could have prevented that from happening or have been a part of helping them get help. Um, ignoring it is the worst thing that a staff person can do. They're there. They're seeing the frustration. They're seeing... Usually there's other telltale signs, right? There's usually... You're going to start to see that they're they're not as 
clear in their day-to-day work. They're not, they're, they seem to be distracted. They seem they're showing up late. They're not on time for appointments. Um, they call in sick a lot. And this, by the way, this, I'm talking about the docs and yeah. the staff, right? Yeah. It's, 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 it happens, but you start to see signs that just go, make you go, huh, what, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Why, what is happening now? You can see some of those same signs and have good things happening, right? So if somebody's getting married, they're going to be distracted. They're going to be, so you really better know what you're talking about when you say something, but you usually know. But if I would just say if there's an energy, there's an aura around it. Yeah. Yeah. If a team member is really worried, Mm -hmm. um, you'll never regret having the, having the discussion if it stops somebody. I I think that's very interesting. Even like, hopefully, especially people that are listening to this podcast, listen to before happy hour, like that they are aware enough to know that if somebody had come to them and say, Hey, we're concerned. Hey, is there anything we can do that they are doing it out of the goodness of their heart that there's right. like, if you're look, if you're the type of boss that would fire someone over coming <laughs> to you, telling you their concerns about you, yeah, they're probably better off not be working for you anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, that, let's face it, that, that's kind of a big deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. I, I think it's very interesting. And I would flip that as well, too. I think, Docs, it's important for you to be looking for those signs in your team members as well. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, you're going to have the team members who maybe are, you know, they're, they're late to work because they're just always late to work. And that's, that's a whole nother issue we can talk about. But (laughs) when you're seeing these things, I think it's important for you to be aware. I think that for me, the advice I usually give to my docs of being the best example of let's be positive. Let me be the leader of positivity. Let me be the leader Mm -hmm. of inspiration and hope and aspiration. Let me be the person because as they see that, then one, hopefully they'll be inspired by that. Hopefully they'll be um, more positive about their own lives. But number two, they'll know that you are someone who they could come to should there be a problem. Right, right, exactly. That's a really important uh, position to be in. I think think it's great that you're opening up this conversation. Uh, Has there been any examples that you can share with us of you opening this conversation with people and uh, it, it, being helpful. Yeah. Um, so it hasn't been that long ago, but I was at a conference and I had a gal walk up to me. I was speaking at this conference and I had a gal walk up to me and she said, you know, thank you for sharing your story. Um, I really appreciate it. I have a question for you. She said, I have, I have a daughter and, um, she's been fighting illness her whole life. This, this little girl, she's not little anymore. I, I mean, she's 20 now, but this mm-hmm. girl was, had been fighting illness her entire life. And she just said, she goes, you know, my daughter is so depressed. I'm really worried, but you know, I'm afraid that if I say something or force her to go see yet another doctor, that I'm going to make the situation worse. Mm-hmm. And I just very carefully listened to her and I said, okay, I said, so how can you make the situation worse? Really identify that. Mm-hmm. Doing nothing will make the situation worse. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the idea that, oh my gosh, if I say something, 
or if I act a different way, or if I'm just too scared to bring up the topic of suicide, it's amazing. That's still such a faux pas. People don't want to talk about it. They don't want to think about it. So, but you know, I, t I just told her, I said, can you, can you just do me a favor? I said, I'll stand here right now with you. She was, um, we were actually in her home state. She was just about an hour from uh, where she lived. And I said, why don't you pick up the phone? I'll stand here right with you. I said, and call your daughter mm. and just tell her what your concern is. Wow. And she said, right now. And I said, yes, right now. I said, because you never wait in these instances. Mm. One hour can be all it takes, five minutes, yeah. honestly, five minutes. And so she did and she called her daughter. And it was one of those things where her daughter said, I'm not in a place right now, this minute where I'm going to hurt myself, but I've definitely been thinking about it. Wow. And she got off the phone. She goes, now what do I do? I said, you get in your car, you go pick up your daughter and you go get help right yeah. now. Yep. And like, if somebody says, I've been thinking about hurting myself, if you ask them, there's a, there's a key phrase you have to ask them. And that phrase is, do you have a plan? How would you hurt yourself? Mm. Right. Mm. If they've thought that part out, they're very close to actually succeeding. So if somebody says, if I say to somebody, um, have you thought about hurting yourself? They say, yes. I say, tell me how you would do that. And they can actually give you a detailed explanation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right away, you have to be worried. I mean, they've already thought that out. They're already making the plan. And the unfortunate piece of suicide is once somebody starts making that plan, the amount of intervention that has to happen is usually pretty drastic to reverse that. Wow. It, it's like they're, not they're determined. They've made up their mind. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times it's, it, you know, it's, it's kind of weird because um, I've seen people who were extremely depressed and they've decided to go down that road and they've made the plan and all of a sudden they're not depressed anymore. They're happy. Yeah. They, they actually feel like there's a relief. Totally heard of this. Yeah. Yep. A relief toward coming towards them. And, and it's never the case, but in their mind, it's like, well, I've made up my mind. I know what I'm going to do and mm -hmm. I'm not going to feel this pain. Yeah. They're, I think they're only going down that road because they're, they're hurting. Yeah. And we've heard, I've heard stories of people who were according to friends and family were in a good place right like they oh they came over and we talked about you know whatever or yep. you know that they they are they have come to that moment in their life mentally where they're like okay they're they're not struggling anymore the decision's right. been made let me yeah. ask you this um and i i want to get to some other things but i also you you made me think of this i i have a personal belief that there's obviously good and bad with the internet. There's obviously good and bad with social media, mm -hmm. especially nowadays we're seeing it like you, you know, you can't put opinion out there without being demonized <laughs> by one, one, yeah. one side or the other. Right. You know, right. I, lo I love purple pancakes. Purple pancakes are the worst things in the world. I can't believe you would think that, you know, how racist <laughs> or whatever. Right. Um, <laughs> right. It, but I do think that there has become, when I look at how I grew up, I'm 47 years old. Uh, you know, I, remember one time somebody asking me about killing myself and I was on a school bus and thinking, Oh yeah, that's pretty weird. No, I've never really thought about that. You know, but it, it wasn't a, a very common topic. 
and it mm-hmm. wasn't almost romanticized and almost, um, for lack of a better word, promoted as an yeah. option in my life. And in my life, the option was just, you know, get to work, talk to people about things, you know, be willing to, you know, look at things in a different manner because that wasn't an option. And now it seems to be more and more of an option because we're hearing about it more. How -hmm. much of that common conversation do you think attributes to people getting it that more into their thoughts? I think it, it, I, first of all, I think social media is, um, if somebody is depressed, the worst thing they can do is be on social media. I, yeah, I'm just no a firm, doubt. I, no I am doubt. a firm believer. Like what a rabbit hole of depression. Yeah. If you're struggling with depression, don't just stop, just stop social mm-hmm. media, stop watching the news for crying out loud. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, you can stay informed. You can ask people around you what's going on and stay informed that way. Yeah. But you know, if, if every time you're around somebody, they're talking about some, some kind of doom and gloom or something like that, then first of all, that, that's, a, that's just bad. You know, right. you need to surround yourself with people who are positive and have a healthy outlook on life, regardless of the situation that they're in. Yep. But I think between social media and social, social isolation, the amount of um, contributing factors is exponential right now. Um, 100%. You know, social isolation, if you're not going to work, if you're not seeing people, if your team's not in the office and they're on unemployment and they're not making as much money as they used to, maybe their spouse or um, significant other isn't um, working either. So you've got economic issues, you've got Mm -hmm. depression, you've got isolation, and then you get on social media and you see happy faces and everybody's doing all this wonderful stuff. And guess what? That's not true. It's just not true. People only post the best. And sometimes what they post isn't even true. Right. Right. We used to say, if, if, if it's on TV, you believe it, right? Yeah. No, you don't. And if it's on the internet, you don't. So you really, you really have to be able to um, self-regulate, I think is a Mm -hmm. good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, social media is, in my opinion, it's one of the worst things we've ever done. It was, suicide has been glamorized. Um, it's been shown as a potential out, right? We used yeah, to just have, right. it was like, no, it's not an out. Um, I think a lot of people believe that if you struggle with any type of mental illness or um, depressive um depression, anxiety, and psychiatric issues of any kind, I think that people feel like that it becomes more acceptable. Well, they were depressed. So that made it okay. No, no, that has nothing to do with it. You know, if there's, if there's substance abuse or alcoholism, that's another huge, huge warning sign. Yeah. Somebody's depressed and they're dealing with it using by use, you know, with alcohol and drugs. That's a big issue. They're not dealing with it by using. They're alcohol not. Exactly. It, it, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and typically, like I said, you'll see a change in behavior. Um, that, that's usually pretty easy to pick up if you're paying attention. Yeah. That, and yeah. that's the key word there. The two keywords paying attention. 
Well, I think that hopefully those that are listening, uh, you know, on your drive to home or to work, just understand that that is the most critical thing is pay attention, pay attention to yourself and your own feelings first. And, you know, what's the shift that's happened, especially right now, there's a lot of it. But here's the thing, there's also a lot more understanding, I believe, I believe there's a lot more people who get it that are willing to have that conversation with you if you are struggling and then pay attention to what's going on in your home as well as in your office, your second home. Um, I think it's just such an important message. And I just want to thank you so much for sharing that with us and sharing your personal story and allowing us to, to uh, be a part of that and hopefully raise some awareness around that. Um, yeah, just thank you for, for that. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Hope, well, let's, hope it helps somebody. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let's shift gears just a little bit um, to talk a, about how you shifted a bit in your business as well. I want to talk, uh, uh, you know, I've been a big promoter over the last four or five months around virtual appointments and virtual exams and things like that. Mm-hmm. And you've actually created a company that helps people really uh, train their team members on a higher level, whether they're in the office or not. Mm-hmm. And right. one of the conversations, that, and that's called train to engage. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Train to engage. And one of the areas that I was really fascinated about was when you have remote employees, which I think a lot more people will be going to, whether it be remote because they're stuck at home or remote because you had an amazing admin assistant that you don't want to lose and they're moving to Florida and your office is in California and you still mm-hmm. want to be able to have them and through the tech, the uh, miracle of technology and Zoom and, uh, you know, uh, uh, conference calls and all that, we can use them still. We don't have to lose those great workers. Um, let's talk a little bit about Train to Engage, what the purpose and, the, and what your goal is with that. And then I also want to talk uh, about looking for those signs, kind of tapping into what we were just talking about, the signs of stress and distress within those team mm-hmm. members when working remotely. Yeah. So, so train to engage. The idea behind train to engage is regardless of what type of company you have, medical practice, dental practice, uh, standard, um, you know, B2B relationship, B2C relationship, brick and mortar, it doesn't matter. But regardless, you're going to have to figure out with our current, the the way times are changing. And I don't see that reversing a lot. Um, then you have to figure out, first of all, you're going to have to figure out how to train remotely, how to hire remotely, how to engage them for that water cooler talk. That's what I call it is water cooler talk um, remotely. So the idea is if you do it the right way, it's going to be able to be um, something when you, when you train. So what, one of the things we've done is we've, we've got an online platform that allows us to put together any and all kinds of training um, that you can, you can imagine. I mean, if it can be done on a computer, uh, we can put it on a remote or on our remote platform. So the nice thing about that is it gives you the ability then to engage with people in a deeper sense. So Mm -hmm. rather than saying, Oh, Hey, here, read this manual or here, here's our SOPs, (laughs) right? This is what you're going to do then it's, no, let's get on this platform. They're watching personalized videos. They're not watching some cartoonish thing that you that was created that doesn't reflect a real person. Right. They're watching videos that are created by the people they would be working with in the office. Mm. So whether they're there or not, it's useful. 
they're using the same materials, they're looking at the same computer screens. It's all, it, the only way I can explain it, Dino, is if, if you were sitting next to me and I was training you on the computer, it should have that same feel mm. that you would get with me sitting next to you. And if you do it correctly and you engage them in the water cooler talk that's necessary and you engage them in other activities, and even remotely, you can do that, right? You can, you can all sit down and still eat an ice cream cone together. Right. Right. <laughs> so, but you have to figure those things out and you have to figure out, okay, so what's going to talk to my people? What's going to so, happen? So is it a platform that you, uh, if I was the doctor, I would be creating my own videos and putting them on the platform or is it a platform that you've already created those videos and we get to watch those videos? Um, no, actually we work specifically with the doctors. We create the videos Mm -hmm. But we sit down with the doctors and literally walk them through it. So the doctor comes to me and says, you know, I need to train my front desk. Right. It's like, okay, let's talk about what you want your front desk to look like. And we go through that. Everybody does things just a little differently. So it's what happens is as, as we get through that process and we've interviewed the doctor, once a week we meet with them as we're developing all the content. At, one cer at a certain point, we're going to be like, okay, We've developed all of your written content. We've developed all your videos and the video is literally going to be like this, right? Mm -hmm. It would be sitting in front of them or, or they can shoot it themselves in their office if they would prefer and mm -hmm. send it to us. And we edit, do all the post editing and everything like that, make sure it's the right way. And then we put it all together. And then this system that we've got is with train to engage basically allows somebody to log into it. They can see exactly what training they're expected to do. They get nice. reminders if they don't do it. Mm -hmm. um, the doctor is notified when it's done, how well they did. There's quizzes, there's tests. It's a complete program. Awesome. So that, and then what's really nice is that it's all compatible with different HR systems, mm. right? Or practice management systems. So your, if an employee, say an employee goes through this training and then a problem arises in a few months. And they're like, oh, but I didn't know that. But it was part of the training. You can pull it up and say, yeah, you did know it. You, you finished this whole section on the yeah, training. Yeah, we've already covered this. Yeah. We've already covered it. You did mm -hmm. know it. So we're going to give you, you know, I always tell our team, we have the, the assumption of three. First mm. assumption is you didn't know you should do it. Second assumption is you knew you should do it, but you did, weren't sure how or you didn't have the right tools. And the third assumption is you just chose not to. Right. So you have, you have right. to make that, you know, and like, okay, so where in this situation did that person fall? Right. And the, the idea behind the platform is that it's compatible with HR. So you've got all of your compliance, HR compliance. You've got the ability for handbooks, all documentation, everything needed from a training standpoint in one place, including your library and your resources. So you don't have, you know, this, you don't have this filing cabinet over here or this flash drive over there or Google drive doing this, or you have it all in one place so you can duplicate it easily. And if you do the, the system, the way we suggest that the doctors use the system um, uh, and the business owners use the system, they never have to worry about, am I engaging regularly with my team? Right. Because it. It, well, and they can see it and the system actually will require them to. Right. Not, and, but it's not long, you know, it's like, okay, can you spare, if you're hiring somebody remotely, can you spare 15 minutes a day to engage with them? I think so. 
Why yeah. not? I mean, uh, you know, if you're hiring somebody in your office, wouldn't you spend at least an hour or two with them anyway? Yeah, that's so true. So if you could, you know, so the, but the idea is that you don't have to be there sitting next to them, hand-holding them every minute of every day. So the idea is to spend, spend less time, less money, and get the same type of training in the hands of everybody across your team. Yeah, I love it. I think it's, I'm a huge fan of video recording, of using, for me, video um, taps into all three of the learning styles because mm-hmm. you can hear, obviously, so the visual, the auditory, and then also the data-driven where you can throw up the stuff. You want to you know, use captions if you want to throw up questions on the side or after a video, mm-hmm. you have all that ability. And I think it's so powerful and it's a set it and forget it type situation. I used to... I still do every once in a while with some of my doctors, I'll, I'll give a breakdown of, let's just say, use your example of a front desk uh, receptionist who, uh, you know, I call the director of first impressions. Say you're training a new person. Well, you're probably going to take the most qualified person in your office to train that person, which typically yep. is like your office manager or your practice manager or your front desk or, or your front office manager. And they now are taken away from their job for what? at least five hours a day where they're oh, training right. someone on little tiny things. And let's just say we do that over three, four days. Well, you've just cut the productivity of that office manager in half, if not more, because you've taken away from the thing that they are really good at doing and should be doing, spending all their time with to do a, a, a job a recording could do and a job a training program could do. So I think it's very important for people to see the money that they're missing out on when they are not using products like uh, train to engage and helping people get that. And now with the remote opportunity, you have people on the same uh, mindset understanding if you could break down to, you know, training people about your culture to make sure they're talking. I'm actually in the middle of doing an assessment for a company where I've been listening to some of their phone calls and I'm like, wow, this is not, I know the company. I know the people who started the company very intimately and what their vision and their plan was and what happened in their first and second practices. And now they're over a hundred practices and it's not the same because they don't have this system in place. So it's very, very important. So let's talk about though, some of the things um, that we want to be looking for when it comes to the good, the bad and the ugly of these remote team members. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously you've got to worry about um, isolation. You have to worry about depression. I think one of the biggest issues though, that you're going to deal with is um, are your people able to work remotely well, right? So the good, the bad, and the ugly of working remotely. So there's a couple of different things, you know, the good, all right. You have a flexible schedule, but if you're, um, a dentist and you're doing virtual appointments, you really don't have a flexible schedule, which really means that your staff doesn't either. Mm. Right. I mean, now you can schedule it at any time. Right. But when you are doing those virtual assignments or appointments, you've got to have staff ready to go too. You, it's, mm-hmm. it's not a, it usually isn't a one man show, right? You've got sure. insurance things that are happening. You've got scheduling things that are happening you're determining, is it an emergency case? Do we go into the office? Do we not go into the office? What does that look like? And so the good is, yeah, it's a flexible schedule. The bad is 
it's a flexible schedule. <laughs> yeah. and, and the ugly is, is the flexible schedule causing a work-related problem? In other words, um, just because it's a flexible schedule, some people really have a hard time um, being disciplined to sit down into a schedule when they're at home. It's, it's different, right? You've got the kids, the dogs, the, the doorbell, everything's going on, the laundry, the dishes, the dinner, the, it's crazy, right? So the, the ugly of all of that is, you know, when you have somebody who you know in the office, they're great, but all of a sudden you feel like with them being at home, you just, you're asking yourself, what am I paying this person for? That's a problem. Yeah. If, if you're asking that question yep. and it's because of a remote learning or a remote situation, then you've already got a problem. Yeah. Um, I think one of the biggest things you can do then at that point is if you do, if you are opening your practice enough to do emergency services, you put that person in the place of, okay, when we have emergency services, you're going to be the one that does this with me. Right. Because this is better for you. It's better for the business um, for you to be in the office than it is for you to work from home. But then you make sure you have things like a training program of things they still have to accomplish at home. Right, right. now, with people having more time available to them than ever before, training should be like number one. Right. Totally agree. Number one thing yep. they should be doing is training. And there's no reason during the breakdown. Yeah. I was like, well, man, if you don't come back as a crazily well-oiled machine, then you've wasted some time. I had a guest on my uh, podcast at one point, Cameron Harold, the former CEO of uh, 100 Got Junk. And he was saying, if I go into a restaurant after all this is over and there's not like new dishes or a new decor decoration, I will feel like that person had wasted the opportunity to update. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with your team members. Like if mm -hmm. you going back to the same routines, the same ideas, you've just wasted an opportunity if not, uh, if you haven't done all that training. Yeah, well, and update, update your processes, update your procedures, yeah. Yeah. look for new equipment. Um, it doesn't mean you have to go broke buying it. No. There are a lot of practices that are closing their doors for good. A lot of yep. people retiring. Yep. You can get some amazing things if you just put your mind to it. And what I, it, it kind of cracks me up because our docs, a lot of them feel like, well, I have to do that. They, they're still thinking right. that they have to do that. I'm like, no, you have a staff. You're yep. paying them. You got the PPP loan. You're paying them have them do some of the research and legwork for you. They can do it just as easily as you can, divide and conquer. So yeah, I think, I think it's a really big deal that people understand that right now, you actually have the opportunity to make your business come back so much better, so much stronger. SOPs can be put in place. Go paint the yeah. office if you need to, you know, when was yeah. the last time you painted the office? Yeah, when totally was the last agree. time you had the, the rug shampooed? <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, it's very true. It's very true. Well, yeah. goodness, man, that's a, we've got covered a lot of ground on this episode. I'm so excited about what we've been able to share. We've come to a place in our show where we ask our six questions that we ask everybody. It's a rapid fire situation where I just ask a question. You give me the first answer pops to your head. Are you, are you willing to play? Sure. Let's go. Awesome. What do you see is the most expensive thing that private practice owners are missing in their practice? 
communication. Oh, for which sure. leads to customer service, which leads to staffing. <laughs> nice. Very good. What is a book that you believe every private practice owner should be reading? Uh, the five dysfunctions of a team. Great book. Great book. Yeah. And, and, and told in a great uh, analogy. So, or allegory, I should say. So it's easy to cultivate oh, the lessons through it. It is. It's, it's a great book and it really applies. If you read it, it's crazy how much it applies right now. I just reread it again. Yep. Yep. I love conflict, right? Like not being afraid yeah. of conflict. It's like, okay guys. Yeah. And, and so many people are, yeah, it's great. Um, okay. And my book, the practice RX, I focus on team culture and team performance as the foundation for business growth. What do you see is the biggest challenge that private practice owners are facing in their, with their teams and their office culture? Right now it's all about communication. It mm. just is. Um, yeah. With, with everything being remote or not being in the office as much, communication breakdown, we're, we're just seeing it left and right. Um, people are scared, so they don't communicate. They're fearful of reprisal if they do communicate. They don't want to feel stupid. Um, the doctors have all these thoughts going through their heads, and they're not sharing them with their team. Yep. So their team then feels left out in the cold. So communication and their team has all thoughts going through their head too. And they're not communicating. It's like, it's like this yeah. jumble of, of like, not good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, so it's true. right now. I think that is, ugh, it's the number one before um, our current situations and stuff. I would have said it would have been customer service, mm. but now I a hundred percent believe it's, it's communication. I teach a process called the state of the practice address where I say, you really need to go in and talk about all the things that are going on, even the breakdown of finances, mm -hmm. you know, you're not going to go very specific, you know, obviously what everybody's right. making, but you talk about, look, this is how much we, you know, pay in overhead and this is how much our insurance costs. And as like, so you give them a breakdown, number one, to teach them business, which I think is very important right. as a business owner. So they have some empathy of what you're going through. But number two, to help them understand that there is a, uh, this is, that it doesn't just, their paychecks just don't come, you know, out of nowhere and <laughs> yeah. they will have a little more empathy. And I also think when you are struggling and you show that, hey, we were negative $50,000 this last month or whatever, or a year or whatever, mm -hmm. that they then, because they're part of a team, want to help you succeed more. And yep, if you hired correctly, it actually will be a positive thing. So yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I'm yeah. sorry, got off on a tangent there. Um, <laughs> well, we talked about earlier, but I want to make sure that we give a couple of different ways. How can listeners reach out to you? The best way, way to reach out to us is to go to the website. Um, it's b4happyhour.com. Um, it's the letter B, the number four, happyhour.com. That's the easiest way. Even if you're just asking questions about something they heard on the show or they want yeah. some help finding a resource, if they go through that, um, that is answered by a whole team of people. It's constantly getting monitored, especially because we do talk about suicide on a regular basis. Nice. So it, it's something that we are constantly aware of and monitoring those emails. That's the best way to get a hold of us. Um, otherwise, check me out on LinkedIn. LinkedIn and subscribe to Before Happy Hour podcast. It's on iTunes and, and uh, Stitcher and all those yep. fun places. Yeah, uh, yeah, it sure is. Awesome. Spotify, Make sure you iTunes. Go and, yeah. go and subscribe, get those notifications when new shows come up. Okay, number five, what is the best advice that you've ever received in life or business? Oh, 
Never lose sight of your priorities. And then every day, do at least one thing every day that impacts your top three priorities. Then you'll always know if you have your priorities set up right. Oh, that's very good. <laughs> it makes sense, right? One thing that yeah. impacts the top three, then you know if those top three are, should be the top three. <laughs> right. And if you can't do it, then you have to readjust your priorities. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. All right. What's the best resource or tool that you believe every private practice owner should be using to grow their practice? Well, it has to start with the doctor. Mm. <laughs> um, so there's a tool I was taught, oh, years ago, about five years ago. And basically it goes with your priority list. So every practice owner should take a piece of paper and you have to do it in paper. Don't do it in a computer. It's mm-hmm. just a lot more impactful if you write it down. Yep. Um, divide into three columns. First column is write down everything you like to do or want to do in your business. Second column is write down everything you and only you can do in your practice. Third thing, the third column is write down what you can have others do for you. So go through your day, make a list of everything you do, and then divide that list into those thirds. Um, then basically what you do is you, you take that list and you start, you actually start with the third column, the things you can take off your plate. And then you start evaluating, do I have all the SOPs in process for that? Do I have my processes in place? Do I have training set up for those things? And then you off, take them off your plate and you make sure that those are dispersed appropriately. You always make sure you have more than one person that has the keys to the kingdom. So you have to know it. The practice owner needs to know it. The office manager should know it. And one other person on staff should know it. You always have to have your bench strength in place. Um, Then once you get the third column officially done, you go to the second column, and those are the things that you think you and only you can do. And you remove that a bunch of them to the third column again. Wow, nice. I love it. Yeah. So you, you intentionally teach your team and those around you to be more involved in a more intricate part of the, of the practice. The power of delegation. And, yep. And it's all about training. It really yeah. is. I mean, if, if there's a bunch of stuff in that second column that you and only you can do, I would challenge that for any yeah, business totally. owner. You have to challenge that. And then the first column are the things you like to do. And as you're doing this, some of those things are going to come out of that column because you're going to be like, well, I don't really like to do that. I just feel like I am the only one that has to. Does do so it, you're yeah. going you're, you're gonna to start evaluating and then you're going to find out if you have the practice you want. Yeah. Well, tons and tons of great information. Thank you so much, Lori, for being here and for sharing your wisdom with us. I know that Many people were driving to work or to home and uh, hopefully they even had to pull over to write some notes. You know, I think it was really, really valuable. Thank you for sharing the experience, your years of uh, experience in the industry, but also your experience in life. I really, really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. A hundred percent. Well, everyone, thanks again for being here and being a part of our crowd, our tribe, if you will, of the ProPreneur podcast. It really means so much for us to uh, have you here and to be coming back every single week to learn more from our amazing guests. Remember, our goal here is always to help you be more proactive, productive, and profitable in all areas of your life. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends about it. We will see you on the next episode. Thanks so much again for listening to the ProPreneur Podcast. We really appreciate your support. If you haven't subscribed already, please make sure you do so. 
Also, if you feel like you might be a good fit for our podcast as a guest or know somebody who you think would be, go ahead and email us at dino at dinowatt.com. Again, thanks for support. We'll see you on the next episode.